0: Support for the SOURCE podcast comes from UT Health San Antonio, South Texas' largest academic research institution, where what is discovered in its labs translates into life-changing patient care. More at groundbreakingresearch.org.
1: Live from the John L. Santico studio, this is the SOURCE on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Badia, in for David Martin-Davies. When Russian President Vladimir Putin launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine in 2022, he expected to take control of Ukraine in less than a few weeks. He greatly miscalculated the Ukrainian nation's response, and almost two years later, the war continues. As a result, millions of Ukrainian refugees have fled to neighboring countries. Some of the refugees have ended up right here in San Antonio. Joining us today is Ksenia Nikulina. She's a refugee from Ukraine who fled the war. She's co-founder and teacher of the first Ukrainian school in San Antonio. Also joining us today is Olenka Bravo. She's a president of the Ukrainian Homestead Project and also co-founder of the Ukrainian school here in San Antonio. And thank you two so much for coming on our show today. Thank you. Thank you. The number to call if you have a question or comment is 833-877-8255, that's 833-TPR-TALK. You can also email us at thesource at tpr.org. Are you a Ukrainian refugee that has a story to share? Call us at 833-877-8255. So Olenka, I first met you at a Ukrainian vigil that took place here in San Antonio in 2023. At the time, it was a one-year mark of the Russian invasion, and now it's almost two years, two years since the Russian invasion, and how are you feeling? What events does the local Ukrainian community have planned for that two-year mark?
2: Every day it's getting worse and worse in Ukraine. And uh, we've noticed that the world, the Texas, the San Antonians are getting fatigued to hear hear about the news about Ukraine. Sometimes I even uh, have uh, some people ask me, is it still a war in Ukraine? So news are getting down about Ukraine, and it's not a good sign because Ukrainian is fighting. It's not just for itself. It's fights for the whole world. And being reached uh, almost to the second uh, year of full fi- uh, full-scale full invasion and almost 10 years of the hybrid war in Ukraine, we are, as Ukrainians, continuing fighting here, continue to support our country. and. The um, in two weeks, uh, February the twenty fourth, it's gonna be a peaceful rally at four p.m. next to the city hall of San Antonio, and we would like to invite everybody who care who care about Ukraine, everybody who has questions. Why do you do they need to support us? Or if people, some people, I know some people are like already. We have supported you enough, why we still need to do that. We have those answers. So if you could come to us, we would gladly to share our experience with you.
1: And so, Olenka, when we first talked a year ago at the rally, you told me that your parents were still in Ukraine. And you had told me this story about when war broke out, you were on the phone with your parents and you were talking to your dad and he said that he had no gas, and he was in line to get gas, and the lines were so long. And could you tell me more about what it was like for your parents in Ukraine the first days of Russia's invasion? Actually, it
2: was um, very strange, because here in the United States, we already started rallies before the full-scale fa- uh, invasion happened. Uh, because we've heard the news, we believe it to our government, because I'm American already, I'm American, having Ukrainian roots um, of Ukrainian descent, and uh, that's why when we talked to our parents, specifically to my mom and my dad, they didn't believe it. They couldn't believe it that their neighbor would do something like that. Even though there were signs that Russia is getting ready to attack, the majority of Ukrainians could not believe. So I remember when I spoke to my mom, it was uh, February 23rd here, in evening, like 4 or 5 p.m. here. So, like, before a couple hours, <clears throat> before the full invasion happened, and I told mom, hey, you better go to the pharmacy tomorrow morning and get your drugs, what which you need, because you cannot survive without them, because she has some heart condition. And she's like, oh, don't worry, everything will be fine, but, yeah, don't worry, I'll go tomorrow to get those drugs. And that was the last conversation before the work, the work actually started. I didn't spoke that evening with my dad, but when the... Uh, I start hearing news, it was like 11 p.m. over here, and I started getting worried, and I started contacting all, whoever was online, because it was 4 or 5 a.m. in Ukraine, so people basically were sleeping. My mom didn't pick up the phone, I was worried, and my but my dad did, and when I asked him, like, what is going on, he said, like, everybody is, is crazy there, everything is... Like loud sounds, we don't understand what's going on. But all I see is I see a lot of people outside. It's five a.m. Everybody should be asleep, but it's like during the day, everybody's active. Everybody's going Mm -hmm. to groceries if they open like twenty-four-seven grocery store, or everybody goes to uh gas stations to fill up uh, their cars. And I asked my dad, "Do do you have gas in, in your car?" And he said, "No, I don't." So that's how I said, "Like okay." Hang up please, and go fill up your car. Mm -hmm. And how
1: are your parents doing today? How has their life changed since the war started?
2: Well, it it has been difficult for them. Uh, They did not move. They don't want to move because they say, like, that's their country and they need to stay and help the way they can help. Plus, what my mom said, she said that she's happy that her daughter, which is me, and her grandson which is my son are in safe place and she's she's happy for us and she would like to give her spot to move out the country to young people who have children young children small children for them to build a new life because her life is in ukraine even now when i talk about this it still makes me
0: Mm
2: -hmm. i feel my tears because it's not easy even two years later it's not easy And what are you hearing from other
1: people, like your friends back in Ukraine? What are their lives like?
2: Their lives have changed so much. Um, It's very sadly to say, but they used to live during the war. And um, their life changed dramatically in the worst part. They cannot afford a lot of things. They cannot do a lot of things. Uh, they are going to sleep every day and praying that tomorrow is going to be a new day for them because even recently, a couple of days ago, it was a big shield attack on Kyiv, which is the capital of Ukraine, in a high-rise building uh, where people... There is no military in that building. There is no weapon in that building. There are regular citizens, families, newborns, elderly people who just died because of of their crazy neighbor.
1: All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more about uh, San Antonio's first Ukrainian school created by our guests in studio here today. Olenka Bravo, since I've met her, has really been part of making sure that the Ukrainian community in San Antonio has a voice and she's been part of various projects, including the Homestead Project. So we'll hear more from her and we'll also hear more from Ksenia, who is a refugee from Ukraine who left Ukraine about almost a year ago. The number to call if you have a question or comment is 833-877-8255. That's 833-TPR-TALK. You can also email us at thesource at tpr.org. This is The Source on Texas Public Radio, and we'll be right back.
0: Support for TPR comes from the Lawton family of restaurants Cappy's, Cappuccinos, Mama's Cafe, La Fonda on Main, and Jingu House, located in San Antonio. Their diverse menus and hours can be viewed at LawtonRestaurants.com. Welcome
1: back to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla. We're talking to Olenka Bravo, who is the president of the Ukrainian Homestead Project. And also with us is Ksenia Nikulina. She's a refugee from Ukraine and co-founder of San Antonio's first Ukrainian school along with Olenka. And if you have a question or comment for our guest today, you can call us at 833-877-8255. That's 833-TPR-TALK. Do you see the Ukraine-Russia war ending anytime soon? Have you attended any of the local rallies put on by the Ukrainian community? You can also email us at TPR.org. And so, Olenka, if you could help me kind of translate a little bit, I want to ask Ksenia, what was it like fleeing the war? And when did she decide it was time to come to the United States?
2: She uh, — Як ти відчувала себе, коли ти виїжджала з України, коли почалася війна, і коли ти вирішила, що це момент, коли ти мусиш поїхати з України?
3: Ну, — Це було страшно, звичайно. Я не виїхала одразу. Через, Через неділю, так. Спочатку ми ховалися у підвали. Ну, це такі, як бункери там були. Потім ну, ми бачили, що все ну, накаляється, не можна залишатися. Я ну, з дитиною маленькою, з чоловіка, з сестрою та її дитини. Ми зібралися, вирушили до потягу, це був такий екстрений. Ніхто ну, про нього не знав, просто ми приїхали, сіли ну, і виїхали. Їхали дуже важко, потяг весь час... Наповнювся людьми, ми були у копе 16 чоловік, там діти, жінки. Нам треба було. Ми об'їхали, ну, не було, не було в зв'язку, ми телефони все повіпо виключали. Ось я сиділа біля вікна, то було видно, як проїжджають танки, там снаряди теж мімо пролітали
2: uh lenka can you tell us what she said so far mm-hmm. and then we'll let her continue so, so she she lived in Kriverich, which is a central eastern part of ukraine close to donetsk region it's really really close uh when the war started uh, they did not move right away uh it was approximately a week when they decided to leave because they Nobody knew how bad it's gonna be, and so they were waiting for what's really going to happen. And when they realized it's getting worse, not by the day, by the hour, by the second. And she has a little son. He's at the time he was four. And her, uh, she also next to her was her sister-in-law, and she also had uh, a, a little uh, child. So they decided to leave Kryvyi uh, to the and go to the western part of Ukraine. And how they did it, it was not a regular train. It was a special secret train who took people, evacuated train, Mm -hmm. who took people from those region into the western part of Ukraine. And usually we have, we call it coupé, which is a little small room for four people to sleep. Uh, It was not four people, it was 16 people plus in those rooms. So people didn't sleep, they were sitting anywhere, uh, like like really crazy, like really tough. Uh, and uh, the road itself was also really difficult because the train was, like, not stable. The it, so tanks passing mm-hmm. by, the so missiles passing by. Can you believe it? you're just going with your child in, in a train somewhere, and you're just looking on a missile passing you by? It was really, really difficult for them.
1: Mm-hmm. She can continue.
2: Pro Pro Uh, ти про Ти переїхала на західну Україну, а потім як ти опинилася в Сан Антоніо? Через кільки днів ти в Польщу виїхала? Uh, так, я
3: півроку жила у Польщі. Uh, ну, ми чекали, ну планували, як би ще робити далі. Потім усією сім'єю подали uh, ну, на Америку, оце юфою. Uh, ну, нам дали добро, і ми одразу ж не думаю, поїхали.
2: So they stay in Poland for first six months plus or minus because they they still had beliefs that they might go back to Ukraine. They didn't want to come to the United States. And when six ma- months passed by and nothing's changed, and uh, they applied for U for U program that was uh, back then, and they flew here to start a new life. And as you can hear, uh, they. Did not plan to come here. She barely speaks and understands English. Mm-hmm. She she is working on that uh, on on that matter. She wants to be a citizen. She wants she wants to work, but they didn't plan. That's why the, she doesn't have English ability or any professions that could help her to survive here at this moment.
1: Well, I think that's why it was important to have her on. I know she was nervous to talk and to come on the show, but I think it's important because it highlights how. Like you said, uh, these refugees did not plan to come here. And this is a reality that they're living in, that they there's this language barrier and they are not, you know, assimilating well. They're trying to trying as hard as they can to learn, but it was kind of sudden for them. Um, And so Olenka, the Ukrainian school opened in May of last year uh, in a classroom at Our Lady of the Lake. And this was made possible with the help of District 4 Councilwoman Adriana Rocha-Garcia, who is a faculty member there. Could you tell me more about how she helped you guys open this school and how you ended up there at Our Lady of the Lake?
2: Actually, uh, uh, Councilwoman Rocha-Garcia, she started helping us uh, way before the full-scale invasion. First time we met her, like maybe six or eight months uh, prior to the date, and she was at our uh, Independence Day celebration, and it was our communication. But when the full-scale invasion happened, she called me on my private number, and she told me, hey, I would like to help. And since then, she is helping us. She helped us so much. (laughs) I cannot even count how many times she was our saver, including opening a a new Ukrainian school. Um, We tried to reach other sources about the facility, but we had a no. And and then I decided uh, to ask her if she would be able to help us, and she said, no problem, I will help you. And that's how we opened the school. And now, like, when the war happened and the first rally happened and first uh, six months or a year was going on, there were a lot of uh, supporters, including media, who would who would like to come and talk to us. Right now, the support is going down. Like I said, people getting fatigued, people getting tired. Uh, they don't want to deal with it anymore councilwoman, uh, Rocha Garcia, she's the one who steals by our side. And it shows that she is that kind of person that re- really care and really will, will, will continue to care about uh, Ukrainians. Not just Ukrainians, but Ukrainians included. She is, I know that she cares not about only Ukrainian community here in San Antonio.
1: Mm-hmm. And why did you think it was important that San Antonio has a Ukrainian school?
2: Well, we have a saying that um, tanks don't go to the uh, to the war first. It starts with the culture, tradition, because that's what uh, helps uh, people together. So uh, Russia tries to eradicate any and all evidence of Ukrainian nation existing, and its culture, language, and tradition. That's why they're saying that Ukrainian uh, language is not true, that Ukrainian col- culture... It's a fake culture. It's a fake co- country, and we have proven that no, we are not a fake country. We have uh, museum exponents that show that we, when we were founded, and we even uh, sometimes we, we say that Kiev was founded in uh, way like eight centuries before Moscow. So who came first, Kiev and Ukraine or Moscow and Russia? So that's why it's really important for our people to rem- to remember who they are, the language, the culture, and for refugees to have a house, a small piece, a small uh, place that says they can call Ukrainian home, Ukrainian support. And Lady of the Lake and Dr. Chavez himself, they're the one who opened the doors for Ukrainian community and make it really... Um, Real and proactive, because before we had Ukrainian events here in San Antonio, uh we had it for the past ten years, but we never had such a school like it's gonna be on a regular basis. it's gonna be a schedule, it's gonna be taking place all the time every time. Mhm well, I wanted to highlight
1: someone that I interviewed when I first got hired at t p r She was a Ukrainian refugee named Maria who fled the war with her young daughter. And when I talked to her, she was really struggling to adjust to life here in the United States, like most refugees that come here. And she has since left San Antonio and moved to Europe, and I still keep in touch with her and check in with her. But I wanted to listen to a couple minutes of the story, um, just to highlight what she was going through at that time when she was here. We can go ahead and roll the clip. But Maria soon realized they were not safe in Lviv. They heard sirens and had to seek shelter. The next morning, she got on a bus to Poland with her family. We lived with family two weeks. One uh, man gave up his apartment for us. He didn't take a pay. His friend and he helped uh, with food, uh, with clothes. She remained in Poland until May 2022 when she came to San Antonio. Her husband and father remain in Ukraine with limited water and electricity. In January of 2023, an attack nearby killed 35 people and damaged Maria's daughter's former daycare. It was so hard for me when then was destroyed home near
2: our daycare. The children who came to the daycare with my daughter. My uh, friend is owner of this daycare. I uh, called her and asked, "How are you?" She is so nervous.
1: Back in the U.S., Maria had to get her driver's license.
2: When it got a little colder, I found a Ukrainian-speaking driver instructor.
1: Her job at a university cafe was short-lived after she developed back pain due to long hours standing. Now, she is looking for remote or office work. Maria plans to stay in the United States. Her four-year-old daughter is enrolled in preschool and she speaks English well, according to Maria. She said adjusting to the Mexican-American cuisine of San Antonio has been interesting. When asked what her favorite Mexican food was so far, Maria was delighted to hear the word enchiladas, her favorite Mexican dish that she had forgotten the name of.
2: Yes, enchiladas, you. I try to remember this name.
1: So Olenka, you knew Maria and I actually met her at the same rally that I met you. And what was it like to hear her voice again right now and hear her story? Did she talk to you about that explosion that she that happened near her
2: daughter's daycare? Yes, uh, it was actually approximately this time. I believe it was February eighth of last year, uh, and it was really hard and difficult for her, for all of us. I remember the last year we were working on the calendar, three hundred sixty-five days. That's maybe how I remember the date because. We try to show each day back then uh, what, what what happened and why it was so difficult, not just for her but for all of us, <clears throat> because all of us will still have relatives there. And um, what I what when I was listening to that, uh, I would like to mention something else that um, lots of refugees, believe it or not, they don't want to be here. I know a couple families, including some families that go to school right now that the minute war is over, they pack their luggage and they go, want to go back to Ukraine. So um, they don't want to be here. Some, they get getting adjust, adjust they used to it, they already start working and they might stay here. But I know a lot of people who don't want to be here.
1: Yeah, I think when I was talking to Maria, when I interviewed her, even our interview, she also kind of, you know, we had to take a minute and just talk about, you know, how she wasn't necessarily the happiest here and she was really struggling to find a job as we heard. And she had a master's degree back in Ukraine. She was a business owner in Ukraine and now she was here and she could not find a job that was suited for her. So I thought that was really important to highlight. Um, And we're gonna go ahead and take another break right here. And when we get back, we can talk more about olenka's ukrainian homestead project which is meant to highlight ukrainian heritage the number to call with your question or comment is 833-877-8255 that's 833-TPR-TALK this is the source on texas public radio and we'll be right back
0: I'm Tanya Mosley. And I'm Juana Summers. People collect all sorts of things, sports memorabilia, stamps, and antique lamps.
4: If you've collected a few classic cars over the years and you also love public radio, consider
0: this. Donate it to this station and it could mean hundreds of dollars in support. Donate online at tpr.careasy.org or call 877-486-1227.
1: Welcome back to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla, in for David Martin Davies. We're talking to Olenka Bravo and Ksenia Nikolina. They are co-founders of San Antonio's first Ukrainian school. And before we took a break, we heard a clip from one of the stories I had done on another refugee named Maria Shivetsova. And... Maria had only been in the United States for a while and she has since moved back to Europe because she had trouble adjusting to her life here in the United States. She had a master's degree and she, back in Ukraine, she has, uh, she was a business owner. And so, but when she was here in San Antonio, she simply could not find a job. And so Maria Olenka was supposed to be she was a co-founder of that Ukrainian school, and she was supposed to be one of
2: the teachers, or she was one of the teachers. She was a teacher for the very first day, and then she left, <laughs> basically.
1: And so, she has she talked to you more about why she left? I mean, I, we know it was because she wasn't, you know, fitting in here. She didn't feel like she fit in here, and she had to. She told me that she wanted to go to Europe where it was more uh, familiar I think and the lifestyle was more familiar is that kind of what she told you also?
2: Yeah, she she, like we said at the beginning, she never planned to be here so she did not get ready to be here and uh, she could not adjust and she flew believe not a lot of people um, I mean I love America, I'm happy here, I have education here, I have job here, but not of all people want to be here. Not because America is not good country for them, just because they used to something else, and they don't want to change, uh, change their lifestyle. They want to have their lives that they used to be. And it was not for her.
1: And Olenka, you came to the United States in 2011, I think. Mm-hmm. And could you talk more about that? Because we, we've talked about her a little bit before, just personally, but You came in 2011, and you
2: moved here to San Antonio? I came in 2011. I lived in L.A. uh, Then I lived in Jersey City for a little bit, and then when I got pregnant, I moved here because my husband is from Texas. And we moved here for for me not being by myself with a little child that I will have support of his family because my family is not here.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And so kind of going back to the Ukrainian language school. Uh, I have a question for Ksenia and I'm curious uh, what ages does she teach and what is it what is it like for her having this space where she's able to continue the tradition of the Ukrainian language and culture.
2: Uh, question Таня, які дітей, яких ти вчиш і як ти відчуваєш себе, що у нас є ця школа, що нас Це невеличке місце, де ми можемо відбудувати українську культуру і традиції.
3: Ну, я дуже рада, що ми змогли відкрити українську школу тут, в Сан Антоніо, оскільки я розмовляю, ну точніше не розмовляю англійською, було дуже важко і дитині також по ну, англійській школі, то це було як. Таке перше сімейне містечко, де можна було ну, зі всіма там знайомитися, дружити. Ну я там багато бутрух, подруг знайшла, і дитині теж було так э, адаптуватися легше. І ну, в англійську школу він вже э, ну, так, також там наладив зв'язок, э, ну а з самого початку ну, це
2: допомогло дуже. Тому я дуже рада була. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh teaches the youngest group which is 4 to 8 and she is really happy to have this place with, when because she doesn't speak English like we can hear and for her it's uh, only one place social place where she can socialize when she can meet her new friends Ukrainian friends and um where her ch- a child can be continue being Ukrainian even though he, her child doesn't have any problem in uh, English environment uh, he he's going to school up uh, to pre-K I believe pre-K and he's good but she wants to have the feeling that somebody cares about her and that's the place where people care about each other, especially refugees. And mm-hmm. um, Olenka oh you can go
3: ahead. No, і дуже хотілося щоб малеча яка знаходиться на батьківщині no, she's adding that
2: it's really important for the kids because she doesn't want her child to forget the language, to forget the tradition and culture. Yeah, she wants to assimilate, but he's Ukrainian and he needs—he's a minority, right? And here in San Antonio, and she wants him to stay. U- ukrainian
1: so we just got an email from a listener who said uh from madeline who said i'm listening to your program and would like to help out with a ukrainian school if you need volunteers i'm a retired teacher and have time please contact me if i can assist are there ways that the local community can help or
2: uh, yes, we are volunteer-based schools, so we don't get uh, we don't charge for school, we don't get paid for schools. So everything what we do, we do for the community, and we invite not just Ukrainian kids who wants to continue learning the language, culture, tradition. We invite American kids as well. We do have some Ukrainian kids who were born here, but because there were no school or because their parents uh, did not. Uh, don't speak uh, Ukrainian language at home because various reasons. Uh, They come to our school with zero Ukrainian knowledge. So we're open for everyone. We're welcome, everyone. As well, we're looking for volunteers who help us Maybe we don't know something how to do something in in school that we can adjust for American school better. Maybe we can do something better. Yes, please contact us. We have a Facebook page, we have an Instagram page. Like it's very easy to find Ukrainian school in San Antonio, or just like my personal profile, Olenka Bravo. And you can uh, Text me or uh, whatever, and we would like, would love to have help for because it's really, really important, especially from uh, American people. It's really, really appreciative.
1: Yeah, for sure, and we can also put you guys in contact Thank after you. the show. Um, but Olenka, you are the creator of the Homestead Project as part of it was part of Ukrainian San Antonio, the organization. And this is a project that showcases Ukrainian life from the late 19th century to the early 20th century. And I'm curious. So I really like looking at the pictures that you guys you guys kind of have models and you put on these traditional Ukrainian clothings. Um, and so what are some of the clothing items that are special to
2: Ukraine? Oh. Um. The project is really special because it started before the full-scale uh, invasion. And this project is going to be four years this year. And um, why I started it? Because I was thinking that it's very good for the diaspora kids, first of all. And little later, we've uh, understood that it's important not just for diaspora kids, but for the Ukrainians in Ukraine. Because unfortunately, during USSR times, uh, the uh, Stalin's regime tried to eradicate, erase everything about Ukraine, and people don't know about that because it was. Prohibited. People went to jail because of that. People were killed because of that, and all the clothing that you might see on the pictures—they all are authentic clothing. So, which means they are hundred plus years old, which is a different and and uh, additional evidence of the Ukrainian culture existed way before USSR. Which is what the Putin, which what Putin said uh, at the beginning of the full-scale invasion that Ukraine has never existed, and here is the little pictures that we show, and they have 100, 150 hundred fifty-plus closes, plus some buildings are like 16, 17 centuries, and we have hey, here you are, this is the proof that uh, you, what you said is not true. So these videos were filmed in Ukraine, then? In Ukraine, yes. Uh it actually it started with my. Husband who sits and waits for me, and my husband he is American, he is Texan. Uh, we went to Ukraine, and I um, we did some culture project before that, so uh, it was not our the first project, but it was. Just from my husband, which is American, my child, he's half American, half Ukrainian. And we went just to do the photo shoot. And when we did the photo shoot, I, like, I realized, why just me? Why, why not all of us? And that's how we started the project. Because then it wasn't a project. But then it was just a photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and so some people
1: uh, may conflate Russian and Ukrainian identity as one. But I think since the war especially, there's been a real push for Ukrainian identity and pride and have you seen an increase in Ukrainian pride since the start of the
2: war? Um, yes, uh, it, it is true that uh, USSR tried to within their po- politics they tried to do a lot of things to prove that Ukrainian ident- identity has never existed, including the language. That's why half of the half of Ukraine. We do speak Russian language. We do understand Russian language, and we did had some challenges to switch back to Ukrainian language for so many years. And when the February twenty fourth happened, uh, uh, like ninety percent of Ukrainians switch to Ukrainian language only overnight. So we, kind of thankful for that to help us to realize that, uh, hey, yeah, we're we're different, and we want to to have our stuff. Yes, we can speak in russian and we can communicate in russian but we are ukrainian we have ukrainian language we have everything ours it's the same like uh, when people asking how would you compare russian language to ukrainian language i would say how would you compare spanish to portuguese does it really the same was it different you can understand you can communicate but your language is your language your culture is your culture Okay, let's take another break right here. When we
1: come back, we'll talk more about what's next for the Ukrainian community in San Antonio amid the ongoing war. Do you see the war ending anytime soon? Are you surprised to see Ukraine continuing to fight back almost two years later? Call us at 833-877-8255. That's 833-TPR-TALK. This is The Source on Texas Public Radio, and we'll be right back. listening to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla. We're talking to Olenka Olenka Bravo and Ksenia Nikulina. They are co-founders of San Antonio's first Ukrainian school. And so, Olenka, I wanted to ask, uh, going back to your family in Ukraine, what do they say about the future of Ukraine and for themselves? I mean, it seems like the attitude among Ukrainians is that we're going to stay here until we win this war. And it seems like that's the attitude your parents have, but also other Ukrainians, I think.
2: Uh, Ukrainians believe uh, that we're going to win the war because we're on the right side. You know, like the Star Wars movie, we always (laughs) see the light. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why the second... um, The rally is going to be happening on February 24th, and the name of the rally: Believe in Ukraine, because we do believe, because we do fight for the whole world. And I hope, I really hope that in a couple of months, I do hope for that I can go back to my country and visit my family and friends, because my husband said, until there is a war, you, you won't be able to fly because I have a small child, and it's not up to me and not up to my decision it's up to my son's decision and his life so until the war is there i can go but Mm -hmm. i really want to see my mom Mm
1: -hmm. and so what for i have a question for Ksenia. um what has it been like thinking about her future when she's not sure when the war is gonna end does she plan to return once the war ends
2: Вона запитує, як ти бачиш своє майбутнє? Чи ти думаєш, що війна закінчиться і чи ти, будеш... чи ти хочеш залишитися тут? Чи ти хочеш повернутися в Україну? Ну, Ми з сім'єю плануємо
3: тут залишитися. Ну, нам дуже хочеться. Сподіваємося, що війна закінчиться поскоріше. Ну, плани вже тут якби наше життя.
2: Their hope that the war is going to be over soon, uh, but uh, I know she told me before, not right now, but she told me before that she doesn't know how long it will take to Ukraine to go back to a normal lifestyle. And she doesn't want her child to be traumatized because a lot of people in Ukraine, they just they need financial help, but uh, we all know that they will, uh, will need a psychology help as well because they've seen so much. It's non, not going to be over over a day or two or a year. So they need some mental health programs that could help us to to, to pass this. Um, that's why she is not planning to go back to Ukraine. She wants to find the way that she can learn the language here. And she told me the other days that she's ready to work. She, if she needs to go do uh, whatever job she needs to do, she, w- she would start at Walmart, McDonald's, whatever you call it. She just needs to start poor, and she's not afraid to work hard to go somewhere else. Yes, she wants to be in the future, to have education or something like that, but she's not afraid to work.
1: And how old is she, if you don't mind me asking? How old is Ksenia? Mm-hmm. 20? 30. 30. <laughs> very young still very young so we a lot of uh yeah i think what maria was also here she would also said that i uh that she would be willing to work any job but she just needed to kind of get past that language barrier but uh let's go to a caller now we have mary on the line and mary you're on the air go ahead hey. hi hi mary this way. hi
4: um i'm a Bilingual educator. I I'm also retired in 77, so I've been around for a while. I I came back to this country when I was 17 after having gone to bilingual schools, and I could still speak English, but not at the right level. And culturally, I certainly had no idea what was going on in life. I did silly things like uh, tell tell. I was, they put me in charge of taking care of the uh, junior. Dance, and I kept telling people to get out of the corner and go dance. I didn't know you were, what that was about, so I I made lots of mistakes, and so I I would think I could identify with folks coming from another country and not understanding the culture. I I am told I'm pl- fluent in English and Spanish. I understand some German, French, and Italian, so I think I'm be b- pretty good at language, and I'm a very good. Uh, but ESL teacher. I taught at the senior center and they all loved me. People who were not, ES, were not really in need of learning English came because they think, they say, you're funny. So I guess that was a funny language teacher. But I would be happy to help.
1: Yeah, for sure, Mary. I really appreciate your comment and I think, you know, I like how you said that, yeah, it's hard coming here when you don't know the language. and All the refugees kind of have a similar struggle of trying to adjust and trying to Get familiar with the culture and with the language.
2: And Olenka, do you want to talk more about that? Actually, um, I I remember a couple months ago we were looking our refugee uh, were looking for somebody who can uh, teach them uh, English because uh, government programs are sometimes not too proactive and uh, sometimes they're not in a good time or they they just over because of the. Politics. What's going on right now on the Washington Hill about uh, Ukrainian aids and aid and whatever. So we definitely need somebody who who will gladly teach our refugees ESL classes for them, and will be really interesting because I know if you do it as a volunteer, you do usually do better job because it's your passion, and that will be amazing if somebody would willing to do that. I think they would be really happy.
1: And so what is the plan for the Ukrainian school? Do you plan to grow it? Do you plan to include uh, more ages or what is the plan?
2: actually Ukrainian school is doing good we are transforming as we go as we speak because uh, this is, was our first year and all we know the first year is the most difficult year because you're adjusting new rules new kids some kids left some kids are uh, came just recently and school is is doing really good. And if it goes this way, hopefully next year the Lady of the Lake University will allow us to have the third class. We'll see how it goes because we want to put in a different uh, level. Uh, I know sometimes uh, some schools are accepting the second language and give some credit uh, for students. Uh, so it's, uh, I've heard that it's very interested uh, for some refugees because they want to use the language towards credit at, in the university.
1: And can you just tell us the, the ages that your school is for and also it takes place every other Saturday, is that correct?
2: Every second Saturday, uh, Lady of the Lake University from 11 to 2, uh, so far we have 4 to 8 and 8 to 12. But if somebody is willing to take the oldest group and um, help us to accommodate the just oldest group, we will be really appreciative. And so, just my last question
1: for Kiсенia. What is she miss most about Ukraine? За чим ти сумуєш
2: найбільше?
3: Ну, звичайно, сумую за родичами за друзями. З самого початку, як ми покинули Україну, то і за самим місцем, ну, містами там, де ми були, там, де ми жили, це тож також було доску такого наганяло. Е, ну, а на, на зар... ну, зараз можу сказати, що е, це місце, ну, як ми тут вже прижилися, ну, тут ми комфортно, добре себе відчуваємо, але, ну, з родичами та друзями, ну, ми просто, ми поїхали, е, ну, не попрощавшися, два роки, ну, ми вже не бачилися ні з ким.
2: She's missing the most for her family and relatives and friends because when they left, they did not say goodbye. They didn't have a chance to say goodbye. They just packed small uh, purses. I cannot say luggage like, purses or backpacks and they just left. She's misses for the lifestyle she had. She's misses to uh, to those, her, like, you know, oh, I know this street. I walk on this street when I was five. Or oh, I remember this playground. So she misses places. Where she grew up, she misses places where she had her relatives get-togethers and stuff like that the most.
1: So, Olenka, you have done so much for the Ukrainian community here in San Antonio. And since I've met you, you're always doing something, you're, there's always some event. You're always trying to uplift people and shed light on how the war has impacted you, has impacted uh, Ukrainian refugees here in San Antonio, and what are you working on in the coming months? What can we expect from you? Is there a new project? Or
2: yeah, it is affecting my 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 life. Um, my husband is sitting here and listening to me, and he like, when are you gonna stop? i like, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> never. I'm gonna stop never, right, hubby? <laughs> and uh, we always do something. We always work on a Ukrainian homestead project. We just last week we had uh, a big exhibit in uh, eight. Um, Texas a and University, then this month we're planning the big rally, the second uh, full-scale invasion. The next month we are planning for a grand opening. We are bringing a new ch- uh, chapter here in San Antonio. We are opening a UNWLA, Branch 147, which is Ukrainian National League of America. This um, organization has been... Around for a hundred years. Actually, this year is going to be a hundred years. It's, uh, the first uh, um, first chapter was opened in the, in New York City. So before we work locally on local levels, now we're trying to do. Uh, now we're trying to raise our voices even more and speak in one language. This branch is going to be between San Antonio and Austin and uh, we're going to be doing amazing job with our sister community in Austin. We have been doing this already for, for a while, but now it's going to be organized in one new nonprofit.
1: That's amazing. Well, I'm so happy that you guys are able to join us here today. Olenka Bravo is the president of the Ukrainian Homestead Project and co-founder of the Ukrainian School here in San Antonio. Ksenia Nikulina is a refugee from Ukraine and also co-founder of the San Antonio Ukrainian School. Olenka and Ksenia, thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank 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 you. This has been The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla, in for David Martin Davies. Thank you so much for listening.
0: This has been The Source on Texas Public Radio. The Source is hosted and produced by David Martin Davies. Kayla Padilla is our booking and engagement producer. Engineering support from Ruben Garcia, Jesse Reeves, and Steve Short. Dan Katz is TPR's Vice President of News. The Source is made possible with support from the Gladys and Ralph Lazarus Foundation.